You've just been listening to another great Genuinely You podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Genuinely You is a culmination of Gina's work, spanning over 30 years, of helping people learn what makes them feel happy and truly fulfilled, and how to achieve it. Please visit genuinely-u.com today to find out more. Hello there, it's Gina Gardner here, and I'm really pleased to be with you on uh, Passion World Radio. Rachel and I are going to be exploring the whole business of reaching one's potential today. There are so many people who undersell themselves and who could actually reach so much further if only uh, they chose to see themselves in a different light. Fear of failure holds lots of people back, fear of success others, and so we're going to be exploring that today. We'd be really grateful to know what you think and whether there are any other themes that you'd like us to discuss in our uh, conversation and coffee um, sessions. And today I would like you to think about, are you reaching your potential? Where else could you um, expect more of yourself? And that's not necessarily about the world of work, but just what you uh, can do and what you can achieve in your daily living. We all overestimate what we can do in a day. Um, we're all busy people and you think you're going to get lots of done, but the to-do list gets ever bigger. But what I think we all do too is that we underestimate what we can get done in a week or a month or a year. And when you start to give yourself the gift of expecting yourself to be the best you can be, then it's amazing how quickly things change. So, are you fulfilling your expectations? Do you have high expectations of yourself? Are they realistic? Perhaps you expect too much. Do you expect less of others than you expect of yourself? Our self-expectations colour the whole of our lives and whether we feel happy with ourselves or not. So, that's the theme of today and thank you very much for joining me. Let's see where it takes us. Rachel. Hi Gina. How are you? I'm good thank you. Very well thanks. What do you think are the things that hold people back from reaching their full potential? Um, I would say two things in my experience and the first one is um, a a sort of an ability to self-analyse and understand what really sets your flame alight and in fairness, that can take a whole lifetime to, to figure out. Yes. But if, if you don't have a burning desire for, for, to do something, then, then you can quite easily drift through life. Um, and I don't mean as in, you know, a, a, an ambition that would change the world or, or in any sort of massively grand way. I just mean as in something that really sets, sets yourself into that zone of joy and happiness and, and flow. And then I think the one that is most prevalent in, in our society is um, yeah is people's concern that if they put themselves out there in that kind of vulnerable open way that they'll be rejected and they, they won't quite achieve what they had in their head and so it's easier uh, and to, to play small and to not turn your light on and just be part of the pack in that sense. Um, yeah those, those are the two that I know have sort of been part of my life story anyway and, and my friends and so on. I think that's very true, and you've only got to watch children at school, for example, who 
let's use the example of maths, which I think probably for more people is the uh, the oh, Achilles heel, isn't it? Yes. That if I don't try, I don't fail. Yeah. And by not trying, they've closed themselves down before they've even started. And that becomes a pattern yes. that something's a bit scary. I might not do this as well um, as I think I should. And so if I don't start it, well, I've not failed at all. Yes. And I would really challenge that as those of people who are listening and have heard me before. I think one of the biggest challenges to ourselves is can we get ourselves out of our comfort zone? Can we choose to put ourselves in that place of discomfort? Mm. And it doesn't last long because very quickly, as soon as we do it, our comfort zone expands. Yes. But we expect ourselves to be experts from day one. Yes, from, from sort of the immediate trigger point, the immediate uh, gunshot, we expect to be able to run that race like, a, like an absolute expert. And of course, that's not how uh, we learn. That's not how we progress and... Most of the real lessons are actually in what, what we would call failures. Yes. And there's lots of quotes, isn't there, from all these famous um, inventors and scientists that were experimenting over and over again. And it basically is, well, yes, I, I, I failed many, many thousands of times, um, but I just kept going, I kept going. And they weren't failures, actually. They were lessons. And if you look, I mean, the example I often use is that of Dyson, who yeah. um, made vacuum cleaners. Mm. I'm told that he made... You know, pretty well 2,000 prototypes before he had a single working Hoover that was commercial. And if he'd stopped at 1,999, he wouldn't be the multimillionaire that he is now. No. I think it's important, you know, that parents often model this for children. Mm. And I think, you know, children need to see parents not deliberately fail, of course, but actually that failure is part of the development. Yeah. For me, the only failure is. The failure to give it a go yeah. or the failure to learn from it and make the yeah. same mistakes yeah. over and over again. And I think that's another group of people who, yeah. you know, same mistake time and time again. And that's particularly true of relationships. If you see people with a, huh. a string of, of repeated uh, relationship breakdown and they're actually, the faces may change. It might be a different photograph, but actually the scenario is pretty right. much the same. Yes. Um, and, you know, Einstein's one of my favourite quotes, and again, people who've listened to me will know mm -hmm. I use it a lot, is mm -hmm. um, Einstein's saying that, you know, we keep doing the same thing and we want a different result. The definition of insanity. It certainly <laughs> is. And yet we all do it. We do it harder, longer and so on. Mm. I'm mindful, you know, when I work with people personally mm -hmm. rather than professionally, although it's all the same stuff, yeah. how people often have a different set of rules. Yes, that's interesting, isn't it? And it seems quite common, although not exclusive, mm -hmm. that wherever people are most exacting of themselves, they're the opposite in the other part of their life. Yeah, okay. Not always the case, but it's quite yeah. common. Yeah. I work with a lot of, of businesswomen. Mm-hmm. And many of them talk about the glass ceiling. Ah, yes, the infamous glass ceiling. <laughs> Some people will say it doesn't exist. Other people will say it's very definitely there. Now, I do accept that different industries and different organisations will have a very different culture. Um, there's been a lot in the news about the BBC, for example, and women getting 
equal pay for equal work. Yes. Um, and there's always lots talked about in the film industry or tennis and sport yes. about the, the disparity the yeah. uh, between the uh, remuneration for women and for men. But I think if you look at the changes over history, mm-hmm. what's made the difference is those women who've not accepted that there is a glass ceiling, that there is a false divide, and they have yeah. worked as if it's not there yes. until it isn't there. Yes. Now, you need a lot of strength for that. You look at the suffragettes, for example, yeah. fighting for the vote, and I'm not suggesting that anybody goes on hunger strike no. or <laughs> chains themselves to the railings. <laughs> But I do believe a lot of it is around expectation. And if true of women and men, but we're using the example of business women, yeah. uh, professional women, that if they expect there to be a glass ceiling, then they will behave in a way that actually reinforces there being a glass ceiling. Yes. It, it makes me think of, I, I think, the Star Trek storyline where Captain Kirk does a third way. He's given a test he can pass or fail it, it's fairly binary. And he he finds out that actually the test is rigged and that it's it's always going to be a failure. So he decides to take action and not play the game and he decides to go the third way. And that was that he set up his own way of getting the test to win. And of course in the film, I think it's in the film, or it might be the T V series, he um all the trickies out there are banging their heads against the wall at me. But um <laughs> Um, he, he basically changes the rules of the game yes. and, and everybody's shocked how, how did he get past and of course he says I, just, I, I wouldn't accept the, the scenario that was, was given yeah. to me I knew I could change it so I did and, and actually there's often that, that sort of um, dichotomy in life where you're given just two very sort of black and white choices mm-hmm. and I think it's often very useful to say well that, that's not necessarily the game I have to play. Yeah. I could play a different one. Yeah. So I think in, in the glass ceiling, I think a lot of the women who push past it are the ones who just won't accept that they're in that game and they play their own game, um, you know, whatever that is. But but it is very hard. And they, they are incredibly stubborn, brave, pig-headed. I don't know, but they seem to have something... Shall we perhaps use the words persistent, persistent and resilient? Yes. Persistent and resilient. But I think you're probably right that there is an element of being pig-headed um, and determined in all of this that yeah. makes the difference. Oh. I find it quite fascinating when working with people how often it's fear of failure that keeps people stuck. But actually, there are, I think probably almost as many, if not as many, people who fear success. Yes. And the worry that if I succeed, will people still like me? Will I still belong? You know, how will people view me? Yes. And I think this issue of belonging is so hot-wired into us since um, Stone Man times. Yes. um, That our, our worry about stepping outside and, you know, what will people think? How will I be viewed? Will I be included? It's very limbic, isn't it, in the sense that that's, that, that, that fear of being outside of the herd is absolutely core to um, survival. Yes. You see it in, in animals and group social structures, that uh, the punishment for behaviour that isn't acceptable to a, to a herd is to push that individual outside of it to, to punish them. So, so it's totally understandable that at the core of our human nature there is a herd mentality. 
And so to deliberately take yourself out of that comfort zone, that herd, by doing something that pushes you ahead of them, by turning your light on that bit brighter, that there is, a, I totally get the biological fear that that can, yes. that can sort of induce in people. I think the interesting thing is that once people move out of that uh, that thought process and, and light up, then other people are attracted to that. People are incredibly attracted to confidence and to people who are shining bright. I'm sure that most of the listeners are familiar with Marion uh, Williamson's poem, Our Deepest Fear, but I think it's actually worth sharing it because it's such a powerful poem. What she says is, our deepest fear is not that we're inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we're powerful beyond measure. Is it our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us? We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine, as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we're liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. It doesn't interest me more than if you look at babies, mm. their light is shining. They they yeah. they don't believe anything is impossible. They yeah. keep going until they achieve yeah. what they want. But their whole mission in life is is to absorb and learn and 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 um, move and improve and yes. And if we could keep that, Mm. what a different world it would be. Well, it would be. And as I have a teenage daughter and I can see how actually she keeps herself low. Maybe it's a teenage phase thing, but um, I know for certain that she doesn't put her hand up in class to answer questions or even to ask questions to seek the knowledge because her peer group will deride her for it. So sad, not, isn't it? Not in an awful bullying no. kind of way, but just as in. But a, that's the culture, isn't that's it? That's the culture, and it's and it's about yeah, not not pushing yourself too much beyond them. They find safety in numbers, and yes. they. I mean, it's a cliche, isn't it? That children there's not as conservative as children. Yes. Um, but it really it really inhibits, and and I worry. Obviously, I'm a mother. <laughs> I worry, but I worry how will she grow out of that? Will she read? Marion's words and and find the courage to say actually good point what does it really do if I put my hand up and ask does it, I might get ribbed for it a little bit but if I keep doing it they'll get used to it it'll stop how do, how does she find that particular courage in that moment to, to sort of push beyond because it's nothing that I can do for her I can lecture her about these things I do <laughs> but but she's got to find it within herself yeah. to do it And I think that's a really important point. We each have to find our own route. And it's fascinating for me how many people find that quite early on, Mm. that they recognise actually what I need to do is find a different peer group. Mm. Yeah. Um, And Beware the company of men. 
uh, <laughs> yeah. and women. Um, <laughs> yeah. Actually, they say that we are the sum of the pe five people we spend our most time with. Yes. And I'd say to those who are listening, who do you spend your time with? Yeah. Do you spend your time with people who want to keep you playing small because that makes them feel safe? Yeah. And I think there's a huge amount around your know, people saying, oh, be careful, don't do that, or don't get above your station. And I, very often it's not about how they feel about you, it's about how they feel about themselves. If you do that, yes. then that makes me feel lesser. Yes. And you know, some of this is about reassuring people that actually I can move on, mm. I still love you, mm. and I can move on, and I'm still me. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, I owe it to myself to actually shine. Yes. To, to be the best version of me yes. that I can be. Yeah. And I would say that that's not about necessarily about doing, it is about being. It's about you know, how you intrinsically are. Yes. And I think you know, people are often worried, if I attempt to do something and it doesn't work, will people think, you know, what an idiot? Mm. But at the same time, if I do this and I succeed, will I then take myself so far away mm. that I, I, I'm I, on my own and I'm isolated? Mm. And it's getting that balance. But going back to you know, people who do it very quickly and you see big sea changes, don't you, when people go to college or university? Yeah. But I've worked with people in their 50s, 60s, you know, who it's only then are recognising yes. that they can step out of the shadow and be themselves. Yes. And it's okay. Yes. And of what course, a waste. Well, I was just going to say, to, to have got to that latter stage of life and only then start to have these epiphany moments, the, the regret that... that, that the, I know that I have thought those things and... What tends to push me into doing the scary stuff, reaching for my dreams, is the thought that if I if I'm on my deathbed and looking back, mm -hmm. what what how would I deal with the regret? How would I deal with the guilt of not giving myself that? And and I don't want to have to have that scenario going on. Mm -hmm. I don't want to have that tomorrow. I don't want to be able to think back tomorrow uh, to to be in a place tomorrow looking back and saying, oh, I regret not doing that. Um, not recklessly, of course. You know, there are ways of achieving dreams and going about it step by step and safely and and, and not having um, to have to swallow the elephant whole. No. But I think it is very important that, that you, you look inside and you consider what you're likely to deeply regret yeah. not doing because that is what, what life is about, is living. About um, eight years ago, my brother, who was 49... Yeah very suddenly dropped dead. Mm. He had been, as far as we knew, completely healthy. He was just practising for the London to Brighton yeah. cycle race. It, he was actually cycling, doing his final practice. Yes. So pretty fit. Yes. Um, and we were incredibly devastated. We were yeah. a close-knit family, and he was a much-loved, precious brother. Mm. Irritating at times, but, <laughs> but much-loved. But one of the gifts that came out of that terrible mm. tragedy was the recognition that I choose to live every day yeah. as if I knew I had a little amount of time to yes. live. I choose to make sure that I say all the things to people that I want to say, if they're positive. If they're negative, then I tend to think, do I really want to say yeah. it? Yeah. Is it going to do anything apart from have a momentary satisfaction of being right. <laughs> I think being right is very, very overrated. Um, but it, it 
there was that gift and yes. there is no doubt that my appreciation of each day has been hugely heightened mm. by that yeah and I would say to listeners you don't have to have a bereavement or a tragedy in your life to actually make that choice to live every day as mm. if it were your last to live every day fully in the moment yeah. to you know, and it can be as simple as you know we had a, an amazing um, moon yesterday yes. didn't we yeah, um, super moon. a yes. super moon a, a blue moon a blood moon mm. um and you know if you think about how heightened everything looked in the moonlight it was just beautiful yes i think you can have that same special um awareness mm. without the super moon without the bereavement mm. it's a choice mm. how you decide that you're going to live every day and to notice what's going on to have expect expectations of yourself that you you can you know I've I've learned to walk twice as an adult and you know particularly early on I was given very little um, indication that walking would be possible yes um, I decided I was going to do it yes. yes it took years and years and you know and in a bit of kit and internal spinal stimulator to actually make it happen mm. but it was a mindset that kept yes. on i'm going to try i'm going to try uh, and i would expect inelegant i have to say yes but it worked but but very effective because of its simplicity yes possibly um and i do think i mean my, my husband has um some level of osteoporosis and when he was diagnosed um, it's in his spine. Um, he he was told by the doctors that he should forget forget even trying to pick up shopping bags. That that he was effectively crippled now for the rest of his life. And he was in his forties when this was diagnosed. Goodness me! And um, and had he been the kind of person to just take what he was being told as gospel and just do what mm. you know, be a good boy and do what he was told, he he would have limited his life terribly he would have no life because he was literally told don't, don't lift anything don't try to do anything you know you could break your back at any moment he's gone on to to ignore the doctor's advice to to live life as his body is telling him so he has moments when he knows he shouldn't stress it and he has moments when it's completely fine and he doesn't he doesn't even think about it on a day-to-day -day because he he has expectations of himself yes. and he didn't accept the expectations of others I think, you know, obviously that comes with a warning that you, there are times when, you know, if you're listening to your body and the doctors, they're actually saying the same thing. Yeah. But I, you know, I wonder how often people listen to the expectations of others and are limited. I'm mindful of when I was training to be a teacher, we were given um, some research findings right. um, by te teachers of teachers. And what happened, um, the scratching you can hear in the back is uh, my cat um, indicating that he has an expectation that we're going to let him out. So um, he's just being um, let out. Sorry about that. Um, there are lots of lessons to learn from Leo. One is if you're persistent enough, people do what you want. Um, but the research that was shown um, was that they gave, there were three classes which had been tested to within an inch of their life right. and as far as they could they gave they there were three evenly matched classes right in terms of ability uh, and experience and they said to the three teachers teacher a you've got the bright ones really push them 
you know, they're incredibly bright. Yeah. Teacher B was told, they're pretty average lot, do your best. Yeah. And teacher C was told, I'm really sorry, you've got the neddies. Mm. So hard work, but... Yeah. At the end of the year, they tested the children, Mm. and the tests were class A, high flyers, class B, average, class C, had done nothing. Yes. The next year, those teachers were taken out of the district. I mean, you wouldn't be allowed to do it now. This no. was done in the 50s and 60s, I think. And they they swapped it. Mm. Interestingly, they left the average group as average. Right. That was their control group, but right. they swapped A and C. Right. Surprise, surprise. At yes. the end of the year, yes. the results had flipped and swapped over. Yeah. So... Whilst, of course, it's not an absolute, there is absolutely no doubt, and it was true of my teaching career, you expect high things mm. of children and of staff, mm. you get them. But what would you say to people who say, but that's just the X Factor type syndrome, isn't it, where everybody believes that if they just have a dream, they can push hard enough, they'll achieve it, even if they can't sing a note. And they turn up on telly and, and say, I'm going to be an international singer, and then they... Um, they do the audition and it's awful. <laughs> well, it's say? awful for the listener. I'm not <laughs> yeah. quite sure how awful it is for the singer. I think with all of this, there's a danger that in the limiting people in case they do uh, have a disaster, mm-hmm. that you actually limit everything. Those people have had that experience yeah. and that experience for them is important. Mm. Now, there'll come a time... I was a failed ballet dancer at the age of three. Yes. My father called me a ballerina rather than a ba- <laughs> ballerina. And I'm scarred for life, you understand. But that was because I was very tall for my age. Mm. I had a big tummy um, and I wasn't very beautiful when I danced. Oh. <laughs> now, these days, those children w- would be allowed to at least uh, take part and mm-hmm. and they'd get a lot out of that. Yes. There are going to be some things that we're never going to do. Yeah. But actually, you can still enjoy and get a lot of something from trying, mm. from actually being involved in that experience. Yeah. And, um, you know, there will come a time when our physical attributes or our uh, intellectual capacity will get us to this so far, and yes. then there will be a realisation that perhaps the dream in its entirety is never going to be met. Yeah. But surely there's something positive and good about the fact that you are expanding yourself and you're giving it a go. Yes, because I think the point is is um, that in in reaching for your dreams, you have to be you have to release or, or be free of of what particular outcome is going to happen. So you don't know exactly which particular job you're going to get. Naturally, if you can be if you're so fixed minded on a particular scenario. It, it can feel like it's never going to happen. Whereas if you follow the feeling of the dream, uh, you might end up... There's plenty of examples of people who have headed for one industry and then and then just had to do a slight swerve, a little tiny manoeuvre, because they didn't have the skills to be, say, an actor, but they did have the skills to be a fantastic director behind the cameras or something like that. Yes. And in that exploration, I think people want answers. The number of times I've said to to clients... Be curious, oh, yeah. give things a try, be yeah. playful, keep yes. it light, rather than, you know, I've got to find the right thing and I've got to find it first time round. Yeah. Actually, there's huge amounts of enjoyment and pleasure from 
trying things on. Yes. You know, how often do you go into a shoe shop and you just only try one pair of shoes? Mm. You'll try several till you find the right fit mm. or, you know, an outfit. Yes. And I think that you know, life is a bit like that. Yes. Until you give things a try, you're never going to know whether that's absolutely right for you or not. Yeah. But it's in the the process, in the exploration, that we find our true... Um, our true selves really yes yeah and that level of curiosity and being prepared to be outside your comfort zone yeah I think there's a direct relationship between how prepared you are to be uncomfortable yes and how far you'll get yes because yes there is nothing comfortable about putting yourself into a situation where you don't know. No. We like certainty, don't we, as a, as a yes. species? Yes, definitely. Because that, for us, equates to um, security and safety. Mm. But if we only stuck with that, we'd still be living in caves. Mm. Okay. Somebody had to take a risk, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they did, yes. And, yes. and life can be risky, but the rewards are great. Yeah. And I'm, I always remember Liz Gilbert's words on sort of... A, when she's talk, she talks about living a creative life, and she doesn't mean as in you know necessarily just the art. She means as a as a human being, being on this earth and being yourself. And she she does men she does talk about the fact that sometimes when you're pushing for what is really really important for yourself, you have she, she rather indelicately refers to um, sandwiches that aren't made of very nice stuff. I, I won't swear, but she uses a swear word. <laughs> And she says, you have, the biggest test of a dream is, are you prepared to eat those sandwiches as you go along the way? Because they will come along in every dream yeah. they do. And, and I, it's almost the negative, actually, of what people think. You know, you like, it's good to dream about all the great things that will happen yeah. when you achieve your dream. But you, if you can say, I'm prepared to eat all of those horrid, horrid sarnies too, then you know it's your cause, yeah. you know it's your centre. Yeah. And I think, inevitably, there are going to be blips along the way. Yeah. And it's how resilient you are to those blips and what you learn from them that actually make you stronger and develop. If you have no um, no failures, no things that go wrong, you're far less likely to learn the lessons that are going to serve you yeah. moving forward. Yeah. Um, the time's gone very quickly yes. this morning. Um, <laughs> so thank you very much for joining us both. Um, Rachel's written uh, an amazing book um, and I really recommend that you read it. It's called uh, The Point, the point of, of Me. me. Uh, it's <laughs> Rachel D Davidson. You it can is. find it on um, Amazon. Um, my latest book, Thriving Not Surviving the Five Secret Pathways, um, you'll find it on Amazon, but you can also get a digital download free from the website, which is genuinely-u.com. That's genuinely-u.com. And there's lots and lots of free resources Please let us know what you think and if there are any themes that you would like us to cover in future sessions. But thank you very much for joining us and I hope that you have a really great day. Bye now. You've just been listening to another great Genuinely You podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Genuinely You is a culmination of Gina's work, spanning over 30 years, of helping people learn what makes them feel happy and truly fulfilled and how to achieve it. Please visit genuinely-u.com today to find out more.